Hello, this is Mandy Matney, creator of the Murdoch Murders podcast. And I am so glad you tuned in for this week's Cup of Justice bonus. We have exciting news for you. By popular demand, Cup of Justice has launched as its own weekly show, and that is a big deal. Go to cupofjusticepod.com to learn more, or click the link in the episode description to get a hot Cup of Justice wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a little taste of what we're talking about today. We've got more exciting news on the horizon, so stay tuned and stay in the sunlight. But that they wanted the jury to see that commotion, to see Alex's reaction, and that is something that we've been told by a very good source that that is an actual tactic of that family throughout the ages in getting the uh, the story told or the drama. They like that um, presentation of unity or what have you. So uh, in in some way, and I know this is so gross for me to say, because if he is innocent, God help, you know, the, the, I'm not even going to say it. If, if he is innocent, whatever. But that family right now is co-conspiring with him in a way. Right. They're co-conspirators. And, and that's sad for Maggie. And it's sad for Paul that the truth of what happened to them might not be the accepted truth that emerges from this trial. And I, and then the other thing I want to mention is just, it is so hard for me to understand how people are not seeing what the New York Times called this ready explanation in all cases. He did it during the Salkahatchee shooting before he, the man's claiming to be shot in the head. And instead of being like my head, he's talking about what he thinks, like the narrative of what happened to him, the thing he's been rehearsing in his brain. Uh, uh, I've been shot. Yeah, exactly. It was the, so it's the same with this. He did it with the 911 operator. Right. He did it with the cop on the scene. He did it with the, uh, the sled officer or agent in the car. He has a, a rehearsed ready-made story to present immediately to them. And that to me, more than the tears and not tears is more damning than anything. It is, you cannot predict how somebody's going to be in grief, especially when they see something as gruesome as this. But it is so strange to me that this man has already uh, formulated his alibi. Right. Yeah, like, for me, for me, um, I can get past um, Alex crying and not crying at the scene a little bit because people in shock can do one of two things. For me though, let's talk about from the family standpoint, objectively, if you heard this evidence, shouldn't it affect you? One, if Alex said he was never at the dog kennels, now we know he's at the dog kennels six minutes before their phone goes dead. That's objective. That's something that they didn't know. Number two, it appears that he changed his clothes. That should be another objective fact sure that should start to sway. Number three, he's totally clean, totally clean, with no blood on him, no dirt, no nothing. And he said, I moved the body. That should be another objective fact. So now we got three. Number four, he... He leaves the house after texting Maggie twice and calling her once and getting no response. 
and doesn't drive to the kennels to say, "Hun, I know we were supposed to go see my dad, but I'm going to go see my mom. Who I never see. Right. It's very unusual for my wife not to answer her phone. Right. So that's objective fact number four. Number five, he takes a blue tarp, call it a blanket, call it a jacket, whatever you want, with GC GSR on it, and hides it in his mother's house after the murder. Those are five objective facts that even if you believe what Dick tells them that it's Cousin Eddie, you should pause and start to say, now wait a minute, Dick, why didn't you tell me that? You would have known those facts because they were in Discovery. I was on TV the other night with uh, Cousin Eddie's attorney, Amy, and she says, Cousin Eddie's going to testify and the world's going to be shocked what he says. Now, whether he's credible or not. So I'm asking you, those are five objective facts. They're educated people. The, the Murdoch's are not dumb people. How are they? How is this not penetrating their titanium caps? I don't think that they're used to processing things independently like the rest of us are. I think they operate as a unit. They've been used their entire life. They've been used to their entire lives having a leader of the family and just following what that leader says does. And um, I saw a lot of our MMP fans commenting during the trial about how they, they kind of act like the Royals act. Good analogy. Like a stoic, a stoic uh, lack of emotions when they're sitting there. They know that they can't be overly one way or the other, but they, they're still there and present. And another thing I wanted to say is the, I think that so far at the end of week one, the biggest W that the defense has had so far is the Murdoch family filing in behind him. Like, I don't think we can underestimate that. If you liked what you heard, go to cupofjustice.com or join MMP Premium at mmp.supercast.com to get enhanced episodes as a part of our new community. Stay tuned and stay in the sunlight. We are just getting started.